We find ourselves today in the Gospel of John, the first chapter, verses 43 through 51. Hear these words. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael. And he told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is one true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asks. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I'll tell you the truth. You shall see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Ever-equipping God, as I speak, may you increase and I decrease. May the words you have given me for this message be seeds that rest in our hearts that we might bear fruit for you here on earth. May I be bold and courageous in speaking what it is you've given me to speak. And may we, as your people, have ears that hear. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I wonder, what's your favorite excuse? We all have them. What is your favorite excuse? You get a text, you get a phone call, you get an email. You see somebody on the street and they said, hey, let's go. And you automatically, you're pulling up in the back of your mind. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's my excuse? I already have plans. I've got things scheduled. I'm sorry, but I can't make it today. I'd love to, but any of you have those kind of excuses? I know you do because I've heard them out of your mouth. We'll see you Sunday. Oh, we'd love to, but we're going to be out of town. Oh, I hope to see you Sunday. Thanks, but we've got ball games. At... We all have them, right? Today's whole text is about an invitation from God. An invitation from God. What do we do with that? What, that's a lot. I mean, I'm humbled when I get invited by certain people around town to go and hang out and do things with them. I think, I'm finally crossing the road from Parasite to, you know, I'm, I'm getting across there a little bit. And people are starting to like me maybe in this town because even though I'm not from here. But today, we have an invitation. Jesus reaches out to Philip and he says to Philip, 
Come on. Follow me. Now, if you heard those words in your life, if you could hear God whispering down from the heavens, because I promise it will be a whisper, it won't be a shout, and God will say, come and follow me. What's your gut reaction? We were at Cedar Glen, and I was a senior, and it was quiet night. You know, you go to the campfire and you sing your little kumbayas and all that. And all the kids were all crying because we're seniors and it's the last year we're going to get to be there and be together. And church camp is so holy. And, and then they send you out into the silence, the night of silence. And you go away and you write yourself a letter. And hopefully the ideal is that in 10 years, the leader of the church will mail you that letter and you'll read, you'll read it and you'll see how you've grown in God and how you've grown as a person. And if your life took off in the same direction you thought it would be as the idealistic senior in high school. There's a big tree, believe it or not. We were down in a canyon, a small canyon in the Texas panhandle. And there was a big tree sitting on a creek and it happened to have a picnic table underneath it. And I found myself sitting on that picnic table in the night of silence. And I just heard it in a whisper. You. I need you. For me, that was my call into ministry. That was my call into ministry, but but I had to put a response around that call. Barry, I need you. No flashing lightning, no crashing cymbals, no yanking me up in bright lights, just a quiet, holy, I need you. Come and follow me. Come and follow me, Jesus says to Philip. And Philip does exactly what we would expect Philip to do. He jumps and goes. Because we've put Jesus in this hero mode in the Bible. I mean, we know the story. He gets crucified. He's raised from the dead. He's our Savior. We know the story so well. We automatically read this story as Jesus the hero. But maybe we need to read this story again as Jesus the first time experience. Can you read the Bible without knowing the end? Can you experience Jesus like Philip experienced Jesus? The one that the prophets spoke about. The one that he had studied in the Torah. The one that they had been taught about. He's here in the flesh. My eyes have seen, my ears have heard, my heart knows this is the Christ. And the invitation now comes to you to come and follow. The whisper, the spoken word, it comes to you. And what's your reaction? What's your reaction? You see, I had a reaction with God. It was a holy as not as holy could be. It was a beautiful West Texas panhandle night and you could see all the stars and it was quiet and nobody was moving. Everybody was practicing their holiness because we had, you know, had the big high at the campfire. I said, God, I got to play ball. I got to play ball. You're okay, but I got to play ball. You see, we make up so many excuses because... You know what happens when God calls you? God says, come and follow me. And if you allow yourself to answer that question, there's no turning back. Once you give yourself to God, you are God's. 
I mean, you are God's in the beginning, but when you make an adult conscious decision to follow the Christ, God's hand's upon you. Now, God's hand doesn't mean you're going to be up here preaching sermons. What God's hand means is that you're going to be witnessing to the world about who Jesus is. And God's calling to you. Come and follow me. But some of us, we have a lot of Nathaniel in us. Hmm? I did. Coach, I got to, I mean, God, I got to play God. I got to play ball. I got to play ball. I'm scheduled to go in the fall. I got to go play ball. I need you to follow me. But I want to go play ball. Nazareth? I love this. Nazareth? How can anything good come out of Nazareth? Any of you ever use that excuse excuse when you hear about people and where they're from? Amarillo? (laughs) Right? West Texas? Excuse me? Right? Paris? (laughs) Right? Where is Paris, Texas? I'll never forget that. I got a phone call from a man of this church. We want to talk to you about coming to Paris, Texas. I hung up the phone and I looked at my wife and I said, where is Paris, Texas? Can anything good come out of Paris, Texas? Lo and behold, the number of people who have come out of Paris. I'm amazed at the number of people who come and what is done in Paris, Texas. But isn't that what we do? We want to qualify God. Nothing good can come out of Paris, Texas. Nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Nothing good can come out of the Texas Panhandle. Nothing good can surely come out of Oklahoma. And Philip says, and Philip says what we all need to hear. God is inviting us into relationship. Not just to say that you know Jesus. Please don't hear that. Jesus said, come and follow me. And Philip takes the invitation that he accepted and he goes to his friend Nathaniel and he says to him, come on. We have found the one. Come, let's follow him together. That's what he's saying to Nathaniel. Come and let's follow him together. And he said, but it's Jesus and Nazareth. Do you know what Nazareth was? Nazareth is about, um, it's a, what we would call in this country, a backwoods town. In fact, a scholar I read this week called it a backwoods town. And nothing good comes out of Nazareth. It's just a backwoods town. Low income, poverty, nothing good. And Philip says, I hear your excuse, but come on. Come and see. How many of you need your arm twisted a little bit to do things? How many of you really need, you know, there's a time in the church, it's about September of October. That's my whole role in the church. I twist arms. Because there's a committee out there and they're trying to find deacons and elders and chairman of the board and vice chairman of the board. And they'll say, I've talked to so-and-so, but they're not sure. So I do exactly what Philip did. I just twist their arm. Come and see. Come and see how good it is to serve on the board. Come and see how good it is to be treasurer. Come and see what it means to be an elder. Come and see... Come and see what it means to be in outreach. Come and see. Come and see what it means to be over the property. Come and see. Philip says to Nathaniel, oh, come on. God knows you. How many of y'all believe that? How many of you know that God knows you? 
Because, see, God invites you into a relationship and says, come and follow me. And, and the disciples say, come and follow him. See, witness, your preacher says, come and follow him. Your friends say, come and follow him. But there's something about following him that you have to give up. You have to give up you. How many of us want to do that? I know what goes through this brain. I know what I say sometimes when I'm not in a good mood. I know how short my temper has been in the past. I know how frustrated I get with God's people. And God wants me to give all that to him. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to give every bit of ourselves unto God. How's that feel? Your darkest desires, your darkest temptations, your biggest struggles, your addictions, your depression, your struggles in your marriage, all of those things, your struggles at your job, your struggles with your families, your relationship, those people you've written off that you don't want to be in a relationship anymore. You know what God's going to ask you to do? God's going to ask you to love them if you follow him. And God says, come and follow me. And we, the people of God, need a twisting of the arm. We need a fill up in our life to say, come and see. Come on, just to, come on, just for a little ways. And they go off and they see Jesus. I'm sure Nathaniel is totally like, I don't want to go. Why, why do I want to go there? You ever gone somewhere just kicking and screaming? You know, I had an experience one time in my life, changed my life. It's called the walk to Emmaus. For me, it was a good experience. But it came in a time in my life when I was struggling spiritually. I was struggling relationally. And I told my spouse, honey, I don't want to go spend three days with 40 men. Really? I would rather spend those three days working on us. And I would have thought, being the egotistical male, you know what, that I was, that she would have said, oh, joy, let's spend the weekend together. Do you know what her come and see was to me? Fine. And then she gave me that look. She said one word, fine. And then she gave me that one look. One look. She gave me one look. And I knew then and there that I was going on the walk to Emmaus. And I called my friend and I said to my friend, come pick me up, I'm going. And I'm going to tell you that when I walked into that facility, there were marks on the pavement from the heels of my boots. Because I knew who I was. I knew everything I had done in my past. I knew every way I had deceived somebody, every way I have cheated somebody, every way I have been mean to somebody. Every way I had denied that experience on the picnic table. I knew who I was. And you want me to go in that building for 72 hours and see God? I'm going kicking and screaming. And they'll testify. There are black marks on the concrete to this day from the heels of my boots. On the last day of that experience, you get to tell about what happened. I'll tell you this much. There was a time of silence on the last night of that experience. And you were invited into prayer. 
you know what I heard? God was still saying, I need you. From the time I was 18 to the time I was 33. I said, God, I got to go. God, I got something to do. God, I need to be somewhere else. God, I got to go do this. God, the people need me here. I'm sorry, but I've got to be this. I'm sorry, but I've got to go ride that horse. I've got to go tend to those kids. I've got to work with those youth. God, I can't pay attention to you right now. At 33, I heard the same word I heard when I was 18. I need you. How happy are you? When you're denying who you are and who it is God has made you to be, you are not a happy individual. Until you can honestly come to terms with who you are and who God wants you to be, you are not a happy individual. Until you understand that God is calling you and God knows you, you cannot be a happy individual. Until you hear someone say, oh, come on and see, let's go. When you take your dragon feet and you change yourself, you allow God to come into your life, you cannot be that happy individual you were created to be. He got close. He was coming down the road about to experience Jesus. Philip by his side, his brother by his side, walking with him. And Jesus says, look, here comes a true Israelite, a man who has no false witness to him. Do you remember in the Bible, there's another text where God's looking down the road and he's waiting He's waiting for that person to turn around and come back down the road to experience him. Jesus was waiting for Nathaniel. Waiting for Nathaniel. And Nathaniel had the same question I had in that chapel that night. God, how do you know me? How do you know that I heard those words when I was 18? How do you know what to say to me right now to yank me up and get my attention again? Come and see. Come and walk with God. Come and give all of who you are to God and let God change you and then let God change the world through you. How do you know me? Nathaniel said. The most powerful words in the gospel, bar none. The most powerful words in the gospel for a person who's seeking God. I saw you. I saw you. Now, can we just reflect over the last week? How many of you wanted God to see you the whole time this last week? God saw you. To be seen means that you're known. To be seen means that there's intimacy there. I saw you. God went walking through the Garden of Eden, looking for Adam and Eve after they had taken from the tree of knowledge and said, Adam, Eve, where are you? They did not want to be seen. They did not want to be seen by the one who created them. Too many times we as human beings, we're like Nathaniel and we don't want to be seen. And God says, I saw you anyway. I saw you and I know you. 
I know how deep that depression is. I know how hard that marriage is. I know how hard it is with your children. I know what your job's like. I've called you to that moment. I see you. And I love you. Max Licato recalls a moment when he was laying in bed after playing with his firstborn. They had done all sorts of games and played around. He and his wife, his expectant wife, and they had spent the night, no TV or anything. And they had wound up and they were laying in Max Licato in his wife's bed. And, and the little one had her head on her daddy's tummy and was laying there. And the, and the second born was in the mama's womb about to be born. And all of a sudden he said it just swept into the room. He said it was palatable. We dared to breathe. Because as we lay there, my child with her head on my stomach and my arm around my wife who had our second born in her womb, God showed up. His breath came across the room. And God showed up. And you know what God said to them? God said, I see you. I see you. That means I know you. And all God wants from us is to want to be known. That's all God's asking. Nathaniel says, wow, Rabbi, you are the Christ. You are the living God. You are the one that was taught about. I have a friend named Steve who happened to be on that experience with me. And he said, after the closing ceremony, he came up to me and he said, Oh, my God, brother, you've been punted through the field goal of life for Jesus. The difference in 72 hours. The difference of finally coming to terms with who you are. And saying, God, it's okay to see me. Even though you've already seen me, I'm going to allow you to see me. I'm going to fall into your open arms and be seen. I'm going to claim that you're the Messiah. That you are the Lord of my life, the Savior of all that I am. It takes you from the the skid marks going into the chapel to the expression of being punted through the field goal of life for Jesus. The, The extremities are real. God is that big. In fact, Jesus makes that promise. He says, Nathaniel, you've seen nothing yet. You only believe because I said I saw you. Just wait. You will see the heavens open. And the angels of God will come down from heaven and be upon the earth. And the presence of God will be with you. How many of us are willing to accept the invitation to come and see? To follow, to be found by God. And to follow Jesus so that we can go out into our brothers and sisters and do the same thing Philip said. Come and see. Come and see and know that you have been seen. For God loves you no matter where you are and no matter what's going on. Won't you come? Won't you be seen? Amen. Amen.